Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we're looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright, and I don't always get what I want either. (laughs) Today, we're talking about Minute 18, which begins with The Young Spy and ends with Global Catastrophe. Back on the show, it's author Ryan Dalton. Hello again, Ryan. Hey, guys. Happy to be back. We are thrilled to have you. First off, I meant to talk about this in yesterday's minute, but uh, I forgot. Um, Calcutta, or Kolkata, as it is known now, this is where they are. And I guess in my childhood, I always remembered the city named Calcutta, and I did not, I, I guess I just missed the time when it transitioned. Did either of you, or were you aware that they had changed the city name from Calcutta to Kolkata? I don't think I was, actually. Did they actually change the name or just uh, just update the spelling? Well, that's officially changing the name. <laughs> Whatever capacity you want. Not for them. You know what I mean? It's not like Istanbul, Constantinople, right? Like No, but it's like Mumbai, Bombay. It's it's like they're changing it from a, a bastardized, uh, you know, Anglic- Anglicanized, I don't know if you can say that, way of of them saying the city name to how they probably originally had it to begin with. Right. Uh, Okay. Interesting. So it's pretty much everybody else is catching up to cultural norms. Right. They're saying, you know, the British have been gone for a while. Can we actually just call it what we used to call it? What it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a guy that you call Steve and after years he's like, it's actually Stephen. Could you could you call me (laughs) Stephen? Right. (laughs) That's perfect. That's exactly how I see it in my head. I was not aware that uh that should be uh changed. I'm I'm I stand with Ryan. Yes. Two thousand one is when the change happened. Went from Calcutta to Kolkata. Kolkata. Now, and now you know, it is the capital of West Bengal. Outstanding. Fun facts. Fun facts here on the show. All right, so this is uh, the start of this conversation, of this minute, begins with Bruce asking Natasha, is she a spy too? They start that young. And of course, Natasha says, I did. Uh, the history of Natasha Romanoff, uh, we aren't going to get to really see any of this in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for quite some time. But right here, we get this brief little line that kind of gives us a sense of her character and her past. Um, it, I find it to be an interesting way to say so much about her character without having to show a lot of her character. How, does, how, does, how do you two like the way that this part of this conversation is constructed? I love it. I keep saying I love it about a lot of things, but I just love this movie. So <laughs> everything. I love it. Perfect. Uh, but no, I, yeah, it's great. Again, this this movie is a masterclass in e- economy, in economy of storytelling, like as far as how long are we going to take to uh, introduce you to a character? What little subtle things are we going to do to not only let you get to know them, but also suggest, hey, there's a deeper character and a deeper history here, uh, enough so that you can get into it and enjoy it and be curious. But it's not so little that it feels like a dangling thread. It's just like that was, I think, beautifully done where it's like, okay, suggest something, but they move on from it. It's not like it's an unclosed loop. It's just an interesting thing that you're like, oh, I hope you learn more about that later. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was really well done. What about you, Pete? Yeah, I do, too. I I uh, <laughs> I love it because, it, you know, as much as for years I've been saying how much I wanted a Black Widow movie, and I feel like my my prayers were answered and... You know, 
it was it was fine. I think I really wanted a Black Widow movie back at this point in the MCU. Um, but uh, with the gift of hindsight, uh, I actually like the mystery a lot in this movie. Like it would have been really different had we already seen an origin story of Black Widow and her youth and, um, you know, being in that program. And, you know, I I just I think it's. As Ryan, as you say, like the economy of of story, the economy of her mystery is, I think, really great. Uh, And I do like the idea of the handoff of between these two, these two people between Black Widow and this little girl who's running through the house as a potential spy. The uh, the (laughs) idea that she is a young, like, uh, (laughs) uh, shield agent slays me. I think it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, and it, you know, the way that Scarlett Johansson even delivers that little line that I that I did, yeah, I think was really well done because it, it could be very easy for that line to feel really flat and really wooden and just kind of recited. But she put a lot of meaning in, into that, and uh, so I, I think the performance added a lot of depth. Yeah, a lot of depth, a lot of sadness too. Like as much mm-hmm. as she's just clearly saying, "Yeah, this is who I am," she's also there's there's mourning in terms of what she lost. There's certain like, like tragedy years later, you just kind of take it for granted that it was horrible. Yeah. And, and that that's kind of the thing you hear in her voice that it, it's there, but it's, you know, that's just life. Yeah. Right. Right. And probably some glee that now this little girl has to go through the same thing she went through. <laughs> that's dark, man. Stick that's it to really her. Dark. <laughs> no, kidding. What, what I think is interesting about Natasha <laughs> is uh, as a character coming from the comics, you know, her. In, in the comics, she kind of started as this uh, villain character. And so it's interesting that she basically has been wrapped in so much more as a, intrinsically a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent up to this point. She knows more heroes at this point than anyone else. I mean, she's she met Tony in Iron Man 2. Uh, obviously, she and Hawkeye have a history together. And so, like, she is a bigger part of this story up to this point than really any of the other Avengers. And I find that to be really interesting that she kind of has been brought in as this as this uh, kind of uh, tie, this connection to help bring them together. I find that really interesting with her character. Yeah, good point. And, and different histories, too. Like, I love how Stark doesn't trust her and she knows that just based on what happened before. And that's another way where it does a good job of leveraging what we've already had. And when, you know, you, you get the callback later on of her, uh, well, in a different part of the movie when she says, you know, Stark not trusting her. That's a fun thing. Like, oh, yeah, and Iron Man, too, that all oh, this and that happened. And so just another way this movie does a great job of showing you new stuff, but also leveraging what came before. Yeah, right. Now, she brings up um, S.H.I.E.L.D., this whole idea, you know, in in the course of their conversation that she's not here to kill him. She is here on behalf of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he recognizes the name. And that made me wonder, they never really brought up S.H.I.E.L.D. at all. I mean, I I don't think that they had the rights, honestly, with Universal to talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. when they made The Incredible Hulk. Um, There might have been markings on a case at some point, but if so, it was subtle i don't I, I can't recall specifically but but really i mean ross never specifically talks about shield uh, unless i'm forgetting something is there ever a mention of shield in the incredible hulk not that i'm recalling you're, you're right there may have been something on a case like i'm wondering if like when they went to get the serum for blonsky if there was something on the case or something that's, but that's yeah 
but you may be right about like just not having the rights to it um but then in this movie in another scene they sort of cover it when they're talking about banner doing the experiments trying to you know trying to reproduce the super soldier yeah if if that's how they're telling us now okay that's how he became hulk you could think okay well obviously they're going to tell him that it's a shield operation trying to you know trying to recreate the serum so they yeah they they do make a little bit of a leap there um but i think they just kind of trust you to make the leap with them yeah i guess so and i mean they did have the the marvel one shot the consultant where you do have kind of a shield connection with tony talking to general ross so it it it, it kind of gives you this sense that shield has been around and probably because Bruce was involved in those experiments uh, with Ross that he probably has heard of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I I did think it was interesting, though, that it was just something that's brought up. It's like some secret spy organization that I I would imagine, like, your average everyday Joe in this world doesn't know what S.H.I.E.L.D. is, right? I mean, or or do you think... Not yet. Yeah, that's a good good point. Like, by now... I mean, I guess, yes, they will know what S.H.I.E.L.D. is, but the movies just in general don't make a big deal about the introduction of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Like, eventually, helicarriers are falling out of the sky, and nobody's (laughs) making a huge deal about the fact that we just didn't know what S.H.I.E.L.D. was until pretty recently. I think that's actually interesting. Maybe the typical person just kind of sees it as another government agency. Maybe there's a more public face to it. And well, even in the first Iron Man, they're not even calling it Shield yet. They don't even know what they, what it well, is. Well, they, they yeah. technically are. They just, for some reason, haven't quite figured out that it actually the acronym spells Shield. Yeah, but just, just really <laughs> yeah. how wonderful that moment is. Like you guys, it spells something. <laughs> Practically an acrostic. <laughs> it actually makes me think of uh, in the comics when. Uh, when sword came around someone made a joke about uh like like how many different words are you guys going to turn into like government acronyms <laughs> <laughs> right yeah let's see spear what else can we use let's yeah, come up exactly. with something else <laughs> it needs to have this sort of connotation so yeah Always <laughs> right so funny so awesome <laughs> Um, she does bring up uh, Nick Fury also to him and this idea that Nick Fury seems to trust you. And I found that to be interesting. And I, I want to know, like, what is our sense as to why? Like, what is it about Nick Fury that or what is it about Bruce, I suppose, that that at least gives this sense that Nick trusts him? Do you have any idea as to, like, why Nick sees Bruce as somebody that he should bring in? Um, I mean, the whole thing with the consultant was they were going to bring Blonsky in specifically. Um, and and yeah, like, I don't know. I just I find this really interesting because obviously the consultant also is kind of setting that up like, oh, we don't want Abomination. We would rather have Hulk between the two. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a comic book. Hulk is the kind of the, the character. But I, I'm just I'm curious as to, you know, what is it about him that makes Nick trust him? That makes Nick trust Hulk. Trust, yeah, trust Hulk slash trust Bruce. Bruce, yeah. Well, didn't we, didn't, I mean, isn't it just straight up the mach- the shoehorned gamma thing? Well, is it? I mean, is that what, I mean, maybe uh, there's certainly that, but it, I don't know. I find it so strange that Nick, like, because uh, then it seems like Nick, I, it seems like they would script it. Nick Fury, um, you know, you know seems to feel you're an important part of this team because of what you're capable of yeah um but it's this idea of trust when it comes to bruce uh i mean is it is there something about the portrayal of hulk through the incredible hulk film 
that makes it seem like, oh, maybe even though he turns into this big rage monster, he still is somehow trying to save people or I, I don't know. It, it just seems like a strange approach to take with the character. I wonder if it's a, a couple of things. It could be a few things. Um, whenever hypotheticals come up, I always think in terms of, okay, okay if I was going to write the backstory here, you know, what would I, what would I do? There's, there's possibilities. It could be that if you go from a couple of different spy aspects, it could be that Fury has sort of in his, with his spy skills, evaluated what type of person Banner is and knows that he's the kind of person they can go to. The other, colder half of the spy uh part could be that he knows that banner already has exposure to a lot of the information about what shield is up to and so there's less exposure if they just go to banner again than to than to try to bring in some other new scientists to do it hmm. uh, it could be that he knows that banner's on the run anyway so there, there's there's not much really damage he can do to like to shield or, or to their their reputation it could be that I mean, yeah. It, again, it's just guesses because they don't really yeah, say. Yeah. But sure, uh, sure. or or it could be another. It could be another thing with Natasha. Another way for him to for her to kind of woo him to her side, yeah. and to to feel tr- you know, like maybe it's like okay, if you feel trusted, maybe you'll be more likely to come with me. Yeah, it could really be be any of those. I guess it depends on who's writing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to a certain extent, it could be all of them. Like there's, there mm-hmm. is an element to all of those that does make sense. And so I, I just, I, you know, and, and there's obviously no right or wrong. It's just, it's a scripted line, but it was one that made me go, huh, I wonder what it is that draws Nick to wanting this character to be around. And I mean, Pete, to your point, the whole gamma thing obviously is becoming a huge part of this. And so, yeah. and very specifically why they want him at this moment. So, um yeah I, I i do think it is an interesting an interesting line for sure yeah yeah it's again one of those things that is very economical in suggesting history but not leaving a huge dangling thread that you're going to be wondering about yeah right right except on podcasts after. <laughs> <laughs> except on podcast years later right One exactly at a time. <laughs> here it is i also love the the line the whole idea of ever being approached with we need you to come in like i just cannot imagine i just i, I just watched uh episode two of the last of us on hbo um with, and without spoiling anything i mean it, it starts with a scene it's kind of a flashback scene setting us up with this a scientist in jakarta who is brought in and and these people show up and say we need you to come help us and she basically has to kind of like go with them and drop everything and i find that to be such an odd request and kind of a frightening request to ever potentially be in a place in my life where i know so much about one particular thing that if the government needed it to to like you know explore some possible thing that was about to happen that they might make me drop everything and make them come yeah. with them i just uh, i don't know how i feel about that andy you have produced three hundred and seventy thousand movie by minute episodes and now <laughs> the government to wants in. to get into it we need you <laughs> and only you and we need you in a secure location today yeah it could happen there it is can you break down the cold war minute by minute we really need <laughs> yeah <laughs> Page by page. Oh, God. Oh, what a, dear. What a nightmare. 
<laughs> but I, but I, I love that idea. And then of course it always follows with the, what if I say no response? And I just, the way that it plays, like, you know, we need you to come in. What if I say no, I'll persuade you. Like all of it, it feels so scripted. It feels like exactly what you would expect in the way like this sort of scenario plays out. But I can't help but enjoying it because of these two performers. Like I just, I feel like they carry the weight of this and, and some of the written, the writtenness of the lines, if I can say that. Like, it just feels that way, but I just love watching them do it. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Well, a, a good actor can take a, a B-plus or B-minus line and make it an A-plus line. Yeah. And uh, even when she says, I'll, I'll persuade you, the way she does it with a little bit of a smirk, it's kind of like, come on, we both know this is why I'm here, <laughs> to persuade yeah. you to do yeah. this. Um, yeah, it, it's the, they take lines that are a little bit rote, you know, and, and again, could be kind of wooden and make them fun and interesting. Yeah, right, right. And then then we get, this is really the first time that we're talking about the other guy, the Hulk, right? And I, I found it interesting because he says, what if the other guy says no? Mm -hmm. What I mean, you, you're you a, a big fan of Hulk, and you've probably read a lot of the comics with him. How much control does Hulk, as kind of the alter ego, have in, in a decision like this, if any? Like, I, I found it to be an interesting way to kind of bring Hulk into the conversation. Yeah, it... Boy, my my first answer may not be totally satisfying. It really <laughs> depends on who on who's writing him, uh, and and how much of a push and pull they want there to be between Banner and Hulk. And you know, sometimes in the course of the comics, he's in a position kind of mentally or in his life where he has you know more control. And there's other times when the Hulk, you know, like during the whole Planet Hulk series, you know, Hulk was in pretty much total control. Yeah. So yeah, it really goes back and forth and there's kind of every flavor in between. I, I think probably the baseline is that, you know, Banner has some control, but when it comes to any, like any form of being threatened um, is what kind of, you know, Hulk kind of wakes up, I think at that point and, and is like, wait, <laughs> this, this concerns both of us. So yeah, I think again, yeah, it's just really like, in your scene and for the character, what kind of balance do you need for the story you're telling? We've gone back and forth on this a, a little bit. And part of it is because some of the later Hulks, like the She-Hulk, which I loved, I loved She-Hulk, but some of the later Banner Hulks, the Professor Hulk stuff, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but what's really great about this character for me personally is the Jekyll and Hydiness of it. It's the risk that he carries around all the time. And as soon as you absolve him of that risk, of that fear that he carries around of hurting others because of who he is, because of his core identity, I, I lose a little bit. I think the character loses a little bit of its power and intensity. He's just now a utility player for science and strength and no longer carries the risk that is central to this character and uh, to your point about you know it depends on who's writing him i think that's I, I think that's a great point i think there are people who have written professor hulk well and uh i also still prefer like the reason i came to hulk the reason i i like hulk is that i like the duality of the character and and i i don't think it exists as well without the duality of the character I definitely get that because, yeah, you're sacrificing some stakes. Stakes, um, right. Yeah. And, uh, and if there are fewer stakes and there's, you know, less tension and, and, you know, it can, it can feel less interesting. So yeah, if you're, 
if you had to make like a Professor Hulk movie, you'd have to find another way to reintroduce stakes. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it would fall very flat. And, and yeah, I'll be curious, you know, what they try to do going on in, into the future. Like, I I have a guess the fact that they've recast General Ross uh, makes me wonder if they're bringing in Red Hulk. Because I think otherwise, if you're not going to do something like that, you, you could easily leave that character behind. There, there was a thing in the comics recently, uh, at least I think it was recent, at least I just learned about it, where uh, Hulk discovered that he has a Hulk. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, wow. There, so no. there's a point where I guess he can get mad enough where he becomes a different, like there's another Hulk inside of him that's even bigger and worse. Oh my um, God. <laughs> which if you do it wrong could be real cheesy, but uh, yeah. I haven't actually <laughs> read that run. nesting doll. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you meet Hulk's friend, other Hulk. Oh um, my gosh. Oh my God, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. The Hulk's Hulk clue. K-L-U-H, Hulk backwards. That's amazing. <laughs> so, and I haven't read that, so I don't know if it's well done or not. But, but anyway, what my, my whole point was, yeah, I, I agree. There's, there's a lot of interesting things you can do, but at the same time, yeah, that classic Banner versus Hulk thing is classic for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Do you like how Hulk has uh, shifted over the course of the films uh, from this point? Well, I mean, I guess from Edward Norton's Hulk, but really, as far as the Ruffalo run from this Hulk, who feels a little more dangerous uh, down the line? Like, what are your thoughts? I, I think the dangerous one is really compelling. <laughs> like, I like that, though. I, I think it's interesting for a superhero team to have someone on the team that may, if the wrong thing happens, try to turn and kill them, too. That, to me, seems very on brand for how crazy this world is and, and you know, just the even crazy idea of a superhero team kind of being on the ragged edge like that. I, I like that. I, I do think that in, in the recent movies, I always like his performance, but I do feel like the character feels very safe now. And he's sort of a little bit swallowed up by the kind of the ensembleness of everything. I, I, I do think that's just... You know, if you're if you're got a huge shared universe, that's going to happen to some. So, but yeah, I like the early version. I find this really compelling. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that though, as we're talking about the stakes. Like even after this sequence, and there's a little bit of talk about the risk on the that we'll talk about later. The big battle, it's already pretty absolved of of stakes against the the internal stakes, right? Like we've we've already sort of moved on. That's true. He's kind of aimed himself at the bad guy, and uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, they've kind of funneled that by that point. Yep. There is a line here. Natasha says, "You've been more than a year without an incident." Just looking at the timeline, March eighteenth, twenty eleven, was his last incident, and uh, that was the last film. And then, according to the wiki, after managing to refrain from having an incident during his eight and a half months of travel from British Columbia after he leaves Harlem, Bruce Banner crosses the Pakistani border into India. He is attacked by local bandits and turns into the Hulk. So I guess that is what that's the March 18th, 2011 uh, incident right there. And uh, he's been fine in India since then. No incidents to report. So, And that's another line that was a great way to demonstrate that S.H.I.E.L.D. has always had an eye on him, even if they've... Uh, not interfered until they needed him. Yeah. And another little nice line here that I, I really, I think it's touching. It says a lot about the character, uh, maybe a little on the nose, but I still like the way it plays when he says, I don't every time get what I want, uh, weirdly worded, but I, the message is nice as he notices that baby swing there and kind of nudges it. I think that's, it's a nice 
moment. And maybe it's nice because the way Mark Ruffalo plays it, you know, it's uh, it is a little on the nose, but I do find that to be something that says a lot about this particular character. Because the Hulk eats babies and doesn't <laughs> often get to eat babies. That's what you're saying, right? They're the source of his power, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, they're the source of his power. <laughs> I get it. I mean, I totally, I just want to make sure the audience gets what you were suggesting. It's a great Hulk. nod to classic yeah. baby eating Hulk. Classic <laughs> baby eating Hulk. That's Earth, Earth 617, right? I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah. They don't talk about that Hulk as much. Yeah, uh, yeah weird that he's not brought up in conversation more. But. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did think that was interesting. Now, I I thought I had read this could either uh, be I I don't know if this was them rewriting history a little bit, but I had read a thing that like in the set dressing and everything, you know, they put that that little little crib in there as just a piece of set dressing. And then from what I read, when he gives that line, he chose to go over and sort of touch the, the, the crib, but that wasn't planned. He just kind of used the thing that was there on set, but it ended up adding a lot of meaning to that line uh, when he's when he's looking at the at, at the crib and, you know, a little bit like a little suggestion of there like, oh, yeah, he would have wanted a family, whether that was truly an accident and he took advantage of it or whether it was planned. It, it was a good moment. Yeah, really is. Uh, we get a little talk about, uh, you know, Natasha shifts gears here to really start focusing the conversation, talking about this potential global catastrophe. And that is the end of our minute. Um, any last thoughts from either of you about anything in this minute? Boy, I just I just have fun with this whole scene. And uh, um, yeah, I love those two characters together. I love scenes with characters together for the first time. And um, yeah, it's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about these couple of minutes is just I, I think they're so much fun. Well, we are thrilled to have had you uh, in this conversation this week. Uh, we'll be shifting to another guest tomorrow, but you will be back next week to talk a little bit of Steve Rogers and a little bit of Tony Stark. It should be fun. Oh, yes. Uh, we're very much looking, looking forward, forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, before we head off today, uh, remind everybody again about your books. Yeah, so uh, my uh, first series was the Time Shift Trilogy, series of time travel mysteries. Uh, my uh, latest novel is called This Last Adventure. Uh, you can find uh, all of them on uh, Amazon. Uh, this Last Adventure is the newer one, so uh, you can find that on bookstore shelves, or uh, you know, if they don't have it on the shelf, they can order it for you just anywhere that you like to buy books. Fantastic. Check those books out, everybody. Uh, they are a fun read. Um, you can, you'll find them in links to them in the show notes on the, your podcatchers or our website, marvelmovieminute.com, where you can learn more about the show and our membership. And that's it. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 19. So, Pete, thanks as always. Andy, tomorrow, will the Hulk eat any more babies? <laughs> Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>